Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt. I host this shindig. With me this week is my fantabulous co-host, Joe Perez. Joe, how you doing? I am also doing fantabulous. So it's a good well, word. It's awesome. I, yeah, I said that you were fantabulous. Yeah. I didn't say I didn't say nothing about me being fantabulous. I, no I know. You, you said that I am fantabulous, but I'm saying I'm also doing fantabulous. See? Well, of course you're doing fantabulous. If you are fantabulous, you would do fantabulous by nature. <laughs> Welcome to the you know the Hegelian dialect on whether or not Joe is fan- fantabulous. That's going to be the show this week, so I hope you, you know, strap in. Now, um, we're going to just get straight to emails because a lot's been going on this week and we got a ton of emails and, and you guys went to our Discord channel as well and that was great. So I'm going to just basically throw out the whole thing where I tell you you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com, subject line podcast or blizzardwatch, or sometimes subject line for either show, in which case Joe and I fight like wolves in a pit trying to, you know, narrow mine. Um, it's more like a pillow fight, let's be honest. We don't really fight too hard. It's just literally whoever gets there first. It's fine. Oh, it's it's raw and savage like a nature documentary. <laughs> a nature documentary of very tired little wolf puppies. It's like two little baby wolves going, aren't I fierce? Oh, I'm so sleepy. Thud. Roar. Thud. Yeah. But anyway, um, also, if you want to, you can hit us up on <gasps> Discord, our Discord channel. Uh, we have the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel, which is the first one we go to because we want to make sure the patrons get heard. Uh, that's the whole thing. If you want to support us on Patreon, by the way, go ahead and do that. That's awesome. Um, or we also have a Q questions channel that's not for patrons. It's just for anybody who wants to go to our Discord server. And we do look there, too. Uh, so if you have multiple ways to get us questions and stuff to talk about, and many of you took advantage of it this week, uh, so we're going to go straight to it. Joe, if you don't mind. Not at all. Uh, hello, Shaman Master Joe and fellow warrior extraordinaire Rossi. Tis Daddy, Lightbringer US, Torrent Prot Warrior, and proud Patronite. Again, a question about the faction divide popping up in a group of friends, and I had an idea how to work around the faction divide without actually getting rid of it, and wondered your thoughts. 
The main idea. Keep the two factions narratively and for battlegrounds. You allow people to party with the opposite faction and do raids, dungeons, world content, and even arenas using the limitations explained next. This allows the story to stay horde versus ally versus world threat that is core to the game, but also allows friends to actually be friends. Details. Uh, bullet point number one. Once party, the opposite faction member gets turned into a faction race to the faction of the, of the party raid leader. Uh, open to race swapping and being random, a one-to-one race predetermined by Blizzard like Torrens to deny, or my favorite idea of player determined in their spellbook general tab with a pullout like a lock pet summon button. Race design is always random for simplicity. Uh, players retain their core races racials. Uh, bullet point number two. When first joining, the player gets a warning that they will be swapped after 30 seconds from joining the party. And if the party raid leader changes to someone to a different faction, there's a 30-second pop-up window that people can select to hearth and GTFO. So they don't get trapped in the opposite faction location should they leave the party or click OK and be OK in the swap. Next one. When doing arenas, the party would still stay together, but the changed member would revert to their core race once they load into the arena. That way there's no random unfair surprises like a gnome doing war stomp. Since BGs are thematically hardcore Horde versus Alliance events, and this is why the faction team-up is not allowed in BGs. If PvP is turned on, then you can still party up, but you would stay your faction race, and friendly fire would be a thing in open-world content. Instances and raids would otherwise act as described previously. While partied, the swapped members would be able to enter the opposite faction's arena areas and can vendor with merchants and PCs, but not talk to other NPCs because of lore reason they don't speak the other language well enough. Also, guards and super important NPCs, i.e. faction leaders, or people like Shaw or Voss, etc., would see through the disguise, a la Suramar. A disguise? What are you hiding? Sorry, couldn't resist. Uh, to still bring home the idea, the faction split among players. Uh, opposite factions cannot chat to each other until they are partied. People would have to emote or party up. Finally, like Party Sync is the name of the system, I would call it something like Spy Games. I mean, it's perfect. They could even use a questing game to introduce the idea by partying with an NPC who sneaks them into the opposite faction sound to meet the lore person. For the Horde! But I don't. Pl- uh, but I want to play with my ally friends too. Thank you. That's a whole lot there. Uh, Matt, do you want to start in on that one or do you want me to? I mean, first off, uh, it's not a bad idea or anything. Uh, I will oh, point no, out that not it's, a bad not idea a, at all. it's not a new idea either. People have been suggesting this for quite a, t- a long time. Um, easily back to Mists of Pandaria, I remember people suggesting it, and probably during Cataclysm as well, although I can't actually say with certainty I remember it being discussed during Cataclysm. But I went from Alliance to Horde the first major time I did it when Cataclysm. I had a Horde character already before that, but I didn't play him a ton. I played him some. Uh, but I, I raided primarily as Horde in Cataclysm uh, until the very end when I switched back to Alliance. Not for any particular game reasons, just because I, I went from a Horde guild to an Alliance guild. Uh, and I remember people talking about it even back then, uh, wanting to be able to just group up with, with their Alliance friends. I think it was right around the time that Real ID really started becoming a thing. Yeah, like it Battle was, Tags yeah. and Real ID. And everyone was like, you know, I see all my friends who are, like, on, but I can't do anything with them because they're Horde or because they're Alliance. Um, and that's, so it's been it's been brought up, it's been discussed. I'll give you credit, though, dude, you sat down and you, you mapped a, a system out here. Uh, yep. I, I very rarely do I see a player actually think about, well, what about this? What about that? 
usually they're like, why can't I just group with my friends? And then they're told, well, this, this, and this, and that. And you, you sat down and you, you tried to address all of it. Um, I'm just going to straight up point out the one thing, that Blizzard is well aware of all this. And they have been for years. And if they wanted to do it, they would have done it already. Blizzard does straight up does not want to do this. Uh, I remember going into BlizzCon 2019 being very hopeful that they would address doing something for cross-faction, because it felt like they were opening up a ton of restrictions. It felt really like this, yeah, after this expansion, this could be the one. I mean, they've got, there's Anduin right up there next to Sorfang going to, to, to Orgrimmar together. It wasn't like, like the, the thing about Battle for Azeroth versus, say, the Siege of Orgrimmar raid, the difference in story was, even though both Alliance and Horde figures were attacking Orgrimmar, they were attacking it separately. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't assaulting together. They were going technically through different ways to get in. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah. They they were not. There was no teaming up. There was no you know joint effort. It was like you know you stay over there, and if you get in our way, then we'll have problems. Whereas this was actually a unified force. This was Alliance and Horde figures working together. This was Anduin standing right up there next to Sarfang and Thrall. This was Jaina up there uh, next to Lorthamar and the uh, Lysra. This was very much, much more than in previous you know years. This was a joint thing. So I thought this might be the time. And they got up there at BlizzCon 2019, and they straight up said, absolutely not. So whilst there's, there's – it's not like you had a bad idea here. I think you had a pretty good idea here. There's – I will say, and, I, and I'm not happy to say this. This is not what I want to be telling you. I wish I could tell you, yeah, they absolutely should and could do this. There's no chance of them doing it. They do not want to. I, I'm not, I, as long as they don't want to, they're not going to. They that, made no effort, yeah. zero effort to do it. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. In fact, I'd love for them to do it. I would love if tomorrow there was an announcement that they were planning to do this. I would be so happy to be wrong. I don't even know how to tell you how happy I would be to be wrong. Um, there's stuff in here that I don't agree with. Like, I don't think you should be able to do any PvP with cross-faction people. Not even arenas. Nothing. Uh, that that should just be something that is uh, that it stays true to the cross faction experience. So I'm a little bit more aggressive on that than even you are. Like you shouldn't even be able to join an arena team with people from the opposite faction, because if you're really into PvP, then you're really into the heart of the faction conflict, and you should keep it. That's even though I know you can uh, in arenas you can fight people in your faction. I'm aware of that. I don't think there should be any cross faction PvP of any kind. In any way, shape, or form, it should it should remain purely horde versus alliance. So that I don't agree with you on, but pretty much everything else you've said is stuff I've said in the past. I'd love to see, um, and I'm I'm totally, I I hope if anyone from Blizzard is listening, you know, seriously, guy, prove me wrong, take his take his idea, do it. I yeah. would love to see that, but I don't expect it to happen ever. See, and and. I am mentally preparing for it never to happen, but I've also seen a lot of things that they weren't too keen on starting to creep their way back into the game. Like, and I, I talked about this before, and, and I'll, I'll address the individual stuff about the question here in a second, but like, it wasn't too long ago that they were talking about not bringing back a whole ton of player abilities because they didn't want to overwhelm players. But once new people started injecting ideas and life into the game and the design, now we have Shadowlands coming out, which introduces a lot of, I don't want to say bloat, but 
like it's putting life back into that. It's putting a little more meat on those bones for the individual classes. Like I, I literally went on a rant about this, uh, I think last week, uh, and how happy I was about that. And that was something that they said they weren't going to do, uh, like four years ago. And that changed. Things can change. And it's not to say that they will never do it because we don't know. We don't know the mind of them. We don't, we do know that the, they want the faction divide to remain a thing, but that doesn't mean that there isn't other, there isn't a look at how to allow players to sort of skip that and actually be able to play the game. Uh, we've already seen them add mercenary mode to the game. Uh, I believe that was for Battlegrounds, where you would queue and get pushed to a different faction, right? Like, that's something they I did. I think that was, that was uh, I, I want to say that was Warlords of Draenor, the big open world thing. Was it? Uh, I, yeah, I don't think it was. I may have been Battlefields 2. I, I don't remember. I just remember it being involved. I can never say Ashran. I think it was Ashran. Was it um, Ashran? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, that. it was. Uh, enter unrated battleground, unrated battlegrounds, and Ashran. And that was when they had the the weird two D mask or whatever that you did, like the Halloween mask. Um, but I like that idea, and I like the idea of mercenary mode, and I like the idea of why can't we maybe play with some of our friends on other factions? And I know it's an idea that everybody's talked about for a lot and and everything else. But like mercenary mode felt like one of those things back in, in Draenor that this could be a good solution for it that could be applied to other things. Like, I have an alliance guild, uh, you know, and I have friends over there, but my main character is not over there, so doing raids with them isn't really a thing uh, because I'm so far undergeared because I don't spend as much time over there. But if I could group with them and, you know, do content with them on my Horde character, despite the fact that they were alliance, I'd still have fun. Uh, and again, purely selfish, I get that. But mercenary mode would be an interesting way to accomplish that. You could still keep the the divides and 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 everything else for the main story plots, and it wouldn't really affect anything. It would be a perfect case of your story and systems don't necessarily always have to be perfectly aligned, and they've shown in the past that they are willing to do that as well. Um, throw arenas in there. Arenas are supposed to be a sport in Azeroth. They're not. You know, this big PvP battle, which is supposed to be, you know, they are battlegrounds. They are literally warfronts before warfronts were a thing. That These are factions engaging in these areas in open warfare. That's what those are. Arenas aren't. Arenas are sports. And we've seen other things in the game, like the Brawlers Guild, where other factions will interact with each other just fine if it's not open warfare. So there's already a precedent for that as well. So maybe, maybe throw arenas into that mix. Um... The one thing that I will say is the the biggest gripe I think I've heard as far as the balancing aspect through all this has always been racials. And this comes back to one of the things that I always said is get rid of racials. Make them non-game affecting. Make them something not like mechanic encounter breaking or whatever and make them fun or flavorful and that's it so that they don't actually really like affect core gameplay. Otherwise, get rid of them. Because if you didn't have those, half of this problem would go away, at least balancing characters when they swap factions. And that's an old hangover from van- uh, from from vanilla days, classic WoW days. And we talked about that before, where dwarf priests, you had to have them on the Alliance side because you needed to have Fear Ward, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's not that world anymore. It shouldn't be that world anymore. Um, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. 
I would absolutely love to be wrong. I would love to see an announcement one day that says, hey, we're listening to players. We understand that you want to play with your friends cross-faction. We're going to institute mercenary mode or something similar in these circumstances and allow you to do it very special and in a controlled way. I'd be all about it, especially with, with the way Real ID has blown up. Uh, the fact that it was expanded from its initial 100 to 200 now. The idea of servers not really being a barrier anymore. Because, I mean, remember when they talked about servers being separate forever? Because that was a core identity thing. And how many servers have been blended together? Cross-server thing is you, you can bounce between them, no problem. They've shown that if the player base wants something enough and they can accommodate it, that they will. And I think that the discussion should swing back to something like this. And I will give a shout out to, to Daddy. I, I don't I don't agree with everything you've said you've laid out here, but like Matt said, you presented a solution to a problem instead of just saying here's a problem, fix it. So I gotta give you a lot of credit for that. You've given this a lot of thought, and I appreciate the heck out of it. So thank you very much, and hopefully one day we'll get to play with our cross-faction friends, because I know Moose Lodor would like to see uh, say hi to his uh, Alliance friends every now and then. It'd be great. Anything else to add to that, Matt? Yeah, first off, I want to unmute my mic. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I definitely feel like I want to make it clear. This isn't me saying, you know, this is a terrible idea, I hate this idea. I, I love the idea, but I I remember going into 2019 really thinking that this was it. I thought Battle for Azeroth was going to be the time that they, they they finally went for it because it made sense. You know, it worked with the narrative. You know, after after everything, it was Horde and Alliance standing together at the gates of Orgrimmar and, you know, avoiding bloodshed, avoiding needless combat. You know, the Makora, the whole thing of Sorfang's sacrifice that both factions witnessed was to basically bring... He did it using Varian swords. You know, I thought... Here we are. And they're like, nope, absolutely no plans. We're not going to do that. And after that, I have given up. Like, straight up, I gave up. I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not going to say, yeah, that would be great. Because I do not believe they will ever do it. And, and it, it, you know, everything Joe's saying, you know, it, I straight up, I don't believe it will ever matter enough to them to do it that nothing you can say or do will get them to do it if they didn't do it now, because this was the perfect moment. I think maybe Shadowlands might present another one of those opportunities, especially since we're talking about the rebirth of, of, you know, souls into their new lives and everything. We talked about those characters, you know, getting to choose who they get to be in Bastion and, and other areas and getting to re getting this whole idea of rediscovering yourself this also seems like a really good time to do something like this. And I'm not saying that you're wrong. I think that there is a far likelier chance that they're not going to do anything regarding this. But there's still a glimmer of hope. And no, I, there isn't. <laughs> no hope. There's none. But, you know, that's that's going to be that's the difference between Joe and me in a nutshell right there. Uh, I feel like that's that pretty much encapsulates our different pr approaches to things. Um I do, I'll do, again, I say this. I would love to be wrong here. I would absolutely love it if there was an announcement that they were thinking of anything. And I don't even need them to say they're giving me cross-faction play. A simple post saying, we, are, we know that players want to play with their friends and not have faction be a barrier, and we are exploring it, would be all I would need. Yeah, I agree. You know, but but there, there is no sign of that right now. So 
I don't want to say anything to give you the impression. People actually said this to me, and this is one of the reasons I'm like this about it. People said to me last year that stuff I'd said made them think it was going to happen. And I felt like garbage. I felt like the worst person in the world because th that meant that their hopes were dashed. And their hopes were dashed because I put the hopes there in the first place. So I'll never do that again. I will never... For I will never express even a sliver of hope that this will happen because I don't want to ever have anyone tell me that it's because of me that they expected a, a change that they really wanted and then they didn't get it. That's just never going to happen. So I will never, ever say that I think this is going to happen. That That's being fine. said, prove me wrong, Blizzard. Yeah, please. Please prove Matt wrong. I'd love, I'd love to see that happen. <laughs> All right, our next one. Question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. I was in Eastern Plaguelands yesterday, leveling an alt. I usually run through here because I like the zone storyline, and I have lore masters, so I may as well do the zones I like. Anyway, I've been planning to run through the zone on Classic. It's been so long that I've forgotten the original zone, and that got me thinking. Should the World of Warcraft be refreshed from time to time with the updating of stories and zones? I think Rossi has said before that he does not want to see another world update expansion, but we have had the new new zones longer than we've had the old zones. The technology today is superior to 2009 and zone phasing means we do not lose this iteration. That's actually a pretty good question. Here's the thing I think about when they hear about stuff like that. We got a complete Arathi Highlands revamp in Battle for Azeroth. It just it didn't change the zone at all because it's a max level revamp. But they've revamped Arathi Highlands. Think about it. It's completely different now. If you're a level, like currently level 120 character going to Arathi Highlands, it's a different zone. There's all sorts of new stuff there. There's new mobs. There's the whole thing. You only get to go when it's your faction's turn to go there because of the way it's set up. But but think about how different it is. Str you know, Stromguard's completely rebuilt. Mm -hmm. The Horde have a whole new base. Yep. There's all these new there's all this new stuff there, and none of that changes the leveling experience in that zone at all. It's all max level. That's how I want to see zones get revamped. I want to see stuff get brought in, so that it's for max level players, so that you don't again have a situation where people skip all the. The biggest problem I have with Cataclysm is simply the fact that people skipped a ton of it. Yeah. Because they were max level already, or they were like you know. Uh, they were about to go to the like max level content, and leveling was already content. already so fast back then too. Like you can't you can't discount that either. Like when Cataclysm dropped, you could blow through older content real fast. And either way, you'd miss out. You didn't yep. get to see the new revamp zones. You didn't get to, so you basically just found out about the stuff afterwards. Like you went, you'd go back there for some reason, and be like, whoa. It's totally different. Or you'd start leveling an alt. Like, the expansion was now old news, and you were basically in Dragon Soul, and you decided to level a new alt. And you're like, whoa, this is completely different. The Horde burned down Ashenvale? I didn't know that. Like, if you're a Horde character, you have no idea that your faction has been burning down half of the Alliance, the entire expansion. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. I was playing as Horde at the time. I had no notion. Then I'm like, I, I remember being in my horde and going, I'm going to level a Torn Paladin. I never had one. It'd be kind of fun. I got to Ashenvale and I was standing on the corpses of the old quest givers I used to take quests from. Like, literally, you land in that zone. That, like, you go to a, to a like, Silver Wind outpost and you're standing on bodies. They're just there. It's like, oh. Okay. Stuff got real, I see. 
didn't know about this, and it was halfway through the expansion. Like, I mean, in fact, I think we were actually in Dragon Soul when I did that. Like, I made that character while we were in Dragon Soul. So it was like, okay, there's a lot of context that I would have been nice to have seen. And that's the thing. Um, that's why I'm not a big fan of revamps that don't take place. You want to make it so they can get to as many players as possible. And so that players will experience them and know that they happened. Um, so that's why I've, I'm leery towards doing a, a lower level revamp. Now, if you do a lower level revamp where the effects are also like, imagine if like you, you did stuff that worked as both end game content and leveling content. And we don't have that anywhere in WoW. And that's one of the things I've been thinking about a lot, is if you could actually turn every zone into endgame content so that you could go back at max level and do it, and it would be worthwhile. Like, the quests and stuff would happen, and it would give you stuff that would be worth doing on a max level character. That would be interesting to me, and it would be a way to, to revamp a zone and have it be for the most players possible. So that leveling people could do it, and then they could come back at max level and do it again, and make it somewhat perennial. There's got to be there's got to be ways to do it, but like I'm not daddy here. I don't actually I haven't sat down and, and mapped out a whole way to make make that work. <laughs> but in all sincerity, there's got to be a way to do it so it isn't limited to just one group and that thus missed by the vast majority of players. Cataclysm had a real problem of of tons of really interesting design work got done that nobody saw. Um, if you didn't play a worgen, you missed out on that whole worgen starting zone, which was unbelievably good. And if yep. you played a worgen, you didn't get to see half of your own starting zone because it switched to the the, the horde story at that point. And if you and didn't the, play the a goblin, it, you never got to see anything with that island. Yeah. Uh, so there's that's why I'm a little leery of it. Not that it's necessarily a bad idea to update stuff, but the updates have to be done in a way where people get to see it. And it actually happens quite a bit in the last couple of expansions. Love it or hate it, the attack on Teldrassil, people got to see it at the time. You know? And the the attack on Undercity is in the game now. The Teldrassil stuff isn't, which I think is kind of unfortunate. It, it's sort of gone. I feel like you should still see that. But the, the attack on Undercity is still there. If you start a new character and you start over, if you start doing Battle for Azeroth right now, you'll see it. You'll know what happened. And I feel like that's the way to go with these kind of zone updates. You want stuff to be visible. You want to know what happened. Yeah, and barring that, like if and I agree with everything that Matt said here, um, you want players to experience it. You want it to be presented in a way that there's actual value to it. And we're starting to see some of that uh, in the last couple expansion layouts with how things sort of shift in zones, uh, probably more in BFA than the other ones, and definitely we see that in Shadowlands uh, where zones sort of shift as you progress through the story um, but you have to find that balance point. I'm actually pretty hopeful that the new leveling system that's being introduced in Shadowlands assists with that to a certain point but going back to last week we had somebody bring up a uh, what they called the perfect solution to a lot of problems which is the Caverns of Time and it got me thinking when I was talking with uh, somebody else this past week, uh, weekend, uh, about another thing that hasn't really been used a whole lot, uh, at least not recently, which is scenarios. If you really wanted to preserve some of like the stories that are missing and things like that, you could centralize them and give them an option to have 
scenarios maybe linked to the caverns of time uh, where players get to experience the past story, these epic moments and things like that. Um, and that sort of helps with, you know, keeping current on the story. You could have those iconic moments that aren't in game anymore back in game. Uh, there's ways that you could probably balance that better. Don't know. I'm not a game designer, uh, but I would like to see something like that. I'd like to see almost like an archival preservation of epic in-game WoW events through some means. And as people have pointed out, and in particular here, um, we don't have a name associated with this one, so I apologize. Uh, but the technology is superior than what it was in 2009, 2004. We've gotten so much more at our disposal. Server architecture has changed. I know uh, how deeply that has changed to accommodate the new systems and everything else. There's more options now for this type of thing than there ever have before. Maybe they could figure out a solution to, you know, have game design, do what it needs to do for the current expansions, and then find a way to keep uh, the interesting storylines and things that are unique or maybe shielded from other players, uh, maybe not shielded anymore, and expose them. Like, you could have Chromie say, hey, do you ever wonder what happened to the Worgen? Here! queue up for this and then phasing technology and all this other stuff and it puts you in a scenario where you get to replay through the starting experience and actually get to see it no matter who you are and we just talked about mercenary mode it changes you into the uh, a worgen and you play as a worgen there's so many quests and other things that let you do that already where you play as a different race uh with different abilities uh like literally at one point in in, in mr pandaria you play as a, as a hosen like it happens they could do this. They could find a way to expose this to other players in a way that, you know, I don't want to maybe roll up a, a, a goblin and see that starting zone. Okay, here's a scenario that lets you get that same experience. I think that would be really cool. I think players would respond really well to it. Something along those lines. Don't know. Again, not a game designer, so full, full disclosure there. <laughs> Anything else to add to that one, Matt? I heard nothing. Yeah, so I have not muted myself properly. I think we're okay. We can move on. <laughs> okay, I thought I thought I angered you for somehow. Uh, our next one. Hello, Grand Lore Masters of the Watchers of Blizzard. It is I, Lord Soth, coming to you with what I think is an interesting idea. You guys were recently talking about finding a way to go back and utilize lore walkers from Pandaria in some capacity, and it got me thinking. What if we had a full expansion, or even just a major patch, where in order to solve the major problem of today, we had to learn about the past? This is a common plot thread in movies and television in order to understand what's going on and how to stop it. We have to figure out how we got here in the first place. This could be a great way to introduce a time-traveling way of playing through older parts of Azeroth's history, without also altering the historical lore. Kind of like the Holm High Mountain quest chain, where you control Holm during the Legion invasion. Oh man, I was just talking about this go figure uh, we could have a zone or two created in a pre-shattering version of Azeroth where we get to explore parts of the world that we otherwise don't have access to then we take the knowledge we have gained and use that as our weapon against whoever the main antagonist is if they were to do this what time period event or historical figure would you be most interested in seeing this way thanks for all you do Lord Soth I mean this is one of those situations where we, we only have like 20 cent minutes. I don't really feel like there's <laughs> enough time. Uh, if I had to pick a, a period of time, um, hmm, 
I mean, some of the stuff it doesn't. It's not as appropriate now. Like I would have loved to have gone back and seen Argus before the coming of the Legion and done stuff to experience that. We we got we got bits and pieces. We got enough during Legion that I feel like it doesn't have to happen. And it's not until such time as the Legion actually comes back. It's not really an issue. Uh, but there's a there's a ton of stuff. I mean, one of the things that we haven't really covered a ton in World of Warcraft is the stuff that happened after the Shattering. Yeah. There's been 10,000 years of history since the Shattering, most of which we've only kind of gotten like brief little glimpses of. And most of uh, it, and most of it, any information we've gotten for it has been presented through Chronicle and not really in game. Or even even from like our weapons, like the yeah. artifacts. Artifacts for warriors, for instance, we with Stromkar, we learned a lot about the pre the Troll War era, which people forget the Troll Wars are like three thousand years ago. So it's relatively recent history in Azeroth terms, but it's 3,000 years ago. That's a long time in actual history. That's one of the things. There's like, there's a 6,000 year period, like, where there's like the High Elves are settling up and where it will become Silvermoon. The trolls are pushed back to, like, you know, Zulaman. Humans are just kind of being human barbarians all over the place for 6,000 years. Mm -hmm. And at no point did they, they, they basically stayed nomadic tribes for that period of time. As they kept, you know, going from Vrykul to human, um, there weren't even any dwarves for a long time because they they didn't come out of Aldaman yet, um, or 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 gnomes. All that's relatively recent. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know anything about. I, if we're gonna do a time traveling expansion where we get to go back and look at stuff in some way, be it lore walkers or caverns of time or whatever, there's a period of time I'd like to see some stuff in. Oh, yeah. What were hu- what were humans doing for all that time? What were night elves doing for that ten thousand year period? Obviously, this stuff was happening because the Karaji thing, the, the the War of the Shifting Sands, took place a thousand years ago. Yep. Which meant that for nine thousand years, what were night elves doing? They were doing something. What was it? You know, like there's there's a lot of time, like a lot of the stuff from the Shattering to now, we have no idea what was really going on. We have glimpses. We know the War of the Satyr happened about nine thousand years ago. That's when uh. That's why we ended up having Staghelm, because mm-hmm. he was like he was uh, he was one of uh, Malfurion's students, and he became he came to prominence during that war, and that's what made him the bitter guy he became. And it's like that happened nine thousand years ago, and then for a thousand years, like for like eight thousand years, stuff happened. We don't know what, and then the Karaji War happened. Like it's like. There's a ton of stuff we could see. We could see. There's a lot of hi- periods of history we could be exposed to. It's clear now that during the whole time, Azeroth, and, like Kalimdor and the Eastern Kingdoms, were not as separated as we've been led to believe. Because Night Elves and and currently Blood Elves, previously High Elves, were obviously encountering each other. The they unseen path. Well, the unseen path is definitely got people both. You know, oh, yeah. were in it the whole time. So the, in the Broken Isles existed, and people were going to them. Not now, you know, Suramar was still behind its force bubble, but, but Suramar was wasn't still, the only thing in the Broken Isles. No, or even the only thing in the area that we call Suramar now. Like the Moon Guard were were there for like thousands of years. Mm-hmm. The the Wardens had the the Vault of the Wardens for thousands of years. There were definitely people going back and forth between those two places. It was possible. There were people going to Northrend. There were settlers in Northrend. There were people up in Northrend the whole time. 
not you know the Vrykul were obviously sleeping for a big chunk of it, but there were still people going back and forth between those areas. There were you know Pandaria was was in a, but was behind its mists, but people were going to and from the turtle. At least a yep. few people were leaving the turtle. So there's stuff was happening and we don't know anything about it. So I would definitely be interested in seeing post shattering ancient history. Maybe like pop around like once every thousand years. You like have a imagine if you had a zone like you know. Ten, like just after the just after the, the sun the, the, the it's the sundering right yeah just after the sundering then like eight thousand years ago then like six thousand years ago then like four thousand years ago and the final zone would be two thousand years ago and each of those zones you go there you you're you're like quantum leaping say we'll, we'll we'll use quantum leaping as a term you're quantum leaping in putting right what someone's trying to make go wrong. And then you jump to the next time period. Preserving the timeline. And you don't even have to do it in order. Like imagine yeah. if you you started like you go all the way back to the original Sundering, and then you come forward eight thousand years, and then you go back to like two you know, like two thousand years before that. Then you go forward to like just two thousand years ago, and then you go back. Like you could jump around as the 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 enemy are like trying to tamper with history in some way. So, there, so there's possibilities. If if I were going to do it, that's probably what I would do. I would I would definitely want to explore more about the period of time between the, the the sundering and today. Like what happened? What were they doing? What was like? How did the societies get the way they are? Yeah, and you know what? Like, I I agree. Like, I, there's such this long gap and such there's such a large number of of interesting events and things that we could experience and and live through and play through like i'd love to see the vrykrul coming down and becoming human like how that started happening like how they founded their societies that whole event we got a glimpse of all these really really cool things during legion of our world's past uh you know of azeroth's past that we never get to experience. We only hear about it in whisper tones. And I think it would be very cool to be able to experience that ancient history. Imagine having something where you survey the Black Empire, like standing on a hill and seeing what the world was like made in the image of the writhing bodies of the old gods. Uh, you know, the elemental wars, like getting to experience stuff like that. All of that stuff would be very, very cool and very good content. And especially if it's under the guise of keeping the timeline true. We have a hook there. We talk about how the bronze dragonflight is depowered or gonna, well, we know they're gonna go crazy at some point. At least some of them will. Uh, but we, they still need to preserve the timelines. They can't do it themselves. Why, we're super awesome heroes. We've done all this good stuff. We've traveled in time before. We've definitely helped the timeline. We could do this again. And having these big sweeping things, whether they're content releases or, or zones or whatever, where you get to experience these iconic moments in the guise of saving it from, you know, going sideways, from creating other offshoots. I would be very happy with that. Uh, just because it would give us so much more information, so much more depth to a lot of these civilizations. And then, you know, also give me Tuscar because, well, Tuscar. Find a way to work them in there somehow and I'll be happy. I'm sure yeah, I'll when never we finally find out. No, it would be great when we find out that the Tuscar are the reason so many horrible things happened. I, I, you know what? I'd be fine with that. I, I'd You'd be okay do with anything that. to get to play Tuscar. Yeah, no, seriously, I would. Yeah. Actually, you know... <laughs> 
tip for this is actually a slightly serious statement because th- this happened this past week. Wilford Brimley died this week. Yeah. So in his honor, playable Tuscar. I'm not kidding. That's not a joke. Um, Wilford Brimley was an amazing actor. He did a lot of great stuff. He was amazing in the thing. Uh, give us playable Tuscar in his honor. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. I I definitely agree with that. But yeah, but I think so, we've answered this question. Or I think we did. <laughs> maybe not answered it so much as throw more questions, but you know, that's us. Hey, it's okay. Uh, let's go for our next one. Uh, another question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. Should or would Blizzard include classic zones as a leveling option? I'm assuming they would not do to the resources needed to update those zones, but in a world where any world where anything is possible, that would be on my wish list. Um, uh, I'm going to say that I've, I've often felt like there's no reason. I, well, I can't say there's no reason. There's probably lots of reasons why they're not going to do this. But I would, I would personally be totally down for like leveling. You could level like ten to fifty in in the you know Cataclysm world, or you can level ten to fifty in you know any of the other expansions. Why not make it so you can level ten to fifty in original Azeroth? Um, again, it's not like they don't have the files anymore because they're running WoW Classic right now. So they've got the files. They've made the files work within the current game engine. I don't know what it would take. I am not going to sit here and tell you it would be simple. Um, it might be extremely complicated and very hard to do. But I think it's something that would be nice. Uh, and by having it available inside Shadowlands and further on, it's not the same as actually playing WoW Classic, so it doesn't invalidate WoW Classic in any way. You're still playing 1-60. to 60. When you're on a WoW Classic server, you're playing 1-60 to 60 in the original game as opposed to doing it in Shadowlands where the game systems are all Shadowlands systems, all you're getting is the old content. I don't think they invalidate each other, but that's just me. Uh, I don't know what Joe thinks. I don't think they invalidate each other, but I also think that there's a fundamental... (sighs) When you change systems and update things, certain content doesn't feel the same, and I think Classic sort of falls into that category where a lot of that content was designed around the specific old school talent system, the old school leveling grind and, and how all that. Joe, Joe, that's the whole reason I want them to bring it back. So it makes people suffer. Why are you telling them this? Because you're it's informing my, them of my it's, trap. Because it's my job, Matt. I have to blow up your spot here, sir. Now, please let me continue. <laughs> They're gonna, they're gonna go in, and it's gonna be horrible. And they're gonna be like, "Oh God, why did we ever want this back? You're gonna ruin it." <laughs> but it would be nice to see a bunch of that older content. Like there are things that I do miss from the old classic lands and the classic zones that were very iconic to me. But I don't think uh, that you could really, without having the two systems be incompatible. And let me be clear about this. I'm not talking about the ability to use the current game code in the game engine, because I know that classic is running on that. Trust me. Uh, but it's the idea of switching players from an older style talent system to the new one. That's really jarring. The idea of your leveling in, you know, like Shadowlands, for example, is you're leveling with the Shadowlands 
content from start to finish, essentially, with how uh, your talents are, how spells are distributed, things like that. Whereas originally classic stuff was way differently designed, way differently balanced. I kind of like keeping them separate. I kind of like having the idea of you can go play classic and still experience that stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do that, how you bring those classic zones back as a leveling option. That feels okay because I think it would be more work to keep them balanced, especially with all those classes. Because, I mean, don't forget, Death Knights didn't exist then. Neither did Monks. Demon Hunters? Nope. Sorry. Like, those weren't a thing. Uh, and a lot of the, the faction-specific stuff. Oh, you are playing Alliance? Yeah, no Shaman for you. Sorry. A Horde? No Paladins. Can't well, do any of those things. I'll be up front. I don't think that's going to be a problem because I played Burning Crusade with a Shaman. And you back then, it was all still the same content. Sure. So when I leveled my my shaman from one you know one from one to sixty in old school content, the old school content was there, and I just did it on my shaman. And nope, it, it's that kind of stuff is relatively trivial. Fair. Um, I get what, I get what you're saying about some stuff, but I also think you're missing the comedy potential here. Like imagine doing the, the original quests <laughs> that went to Ashara, and it went to the burning steps where you like you know that guy's telling you oh, I am a demon hunter. Imagine doing that on a demon hunter. Be like, no, duh, I, I know you're a demon hunter, man. Look at me. <laughs> oh, well, that's not going to be addressed. Anyway, I am a demon hunter. Let me tell you about it. No, no, I know. Look, I've got glaives. Listen, I went, to, got- your, I went to your school, okay? I, I, like, I aced the class, which means I survived. <laughs> I know the deal. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, as a demon hunter, oh, oh, fine, fine, I'll go get you some... <laughs> Some, I'll get you some crystallized troll poop or whatever it is. No, it's crystallized poop that is trolls. Right, that's what it is. The giants eat trolls and then poop them out. Anyway, that's a real thing, guys. Go to Ashara on WoW Classic and you will find piles of crystallized poop that used to be people. Yeah. Um, ah, Classic. <laughs> they had a also, weird obsession with poop. It always has. It, yeah. The game has just never, never stopped. Anyway, okay, so I think we've answered, we answered that one, I'd say. I think so, too. We can move on to the next one. So this is a... Uh, hi, Watchers. So now that Gazlo is in, is the trade prince, CEO, head honcho of the Bilgewater Cartel, after what could be called a hostile takeover, where is he running the faction corporation lovable little green thugs from? Gallowix's Pleasure Palace, Bilgewater Harbor, or is he running it all from Ratchet? Because if he's running it from Ratchet, is Ratchet now faction-specific, or has Noggenfogger been sold? Or ha- Ugh, wow, sorry. Has Noggenfogger been sold the rights to the port town? I just want to know who is shaking me down when I am there. Easy target, all shook up. I'm going to say up front that I don't think they've established any of this. No, they like, haven't yet. We know that he's in charge, but that's all we get is like one little quest where Thrall kind of says, you're in charge now. And he's like, okay. And then that's basically it. I don't think there's anything in game about, well, you know, I, I'm already hard at work throwing all of Gazlo's, you know, stuff out of my, you know, I don't think any of that was like mentioned. No, they've they've been very loose about that. Like that, there's a bunch of loose ends that they haven't tied up yet, and probably won't be until towards the end of Shadowlands, if not later. And that's like goblins, where they're going to be, how that worked out, really what like what's going to happen now that Gallowix is in charge, or um, Gaslow's in charge, and Gallowix is sort of ousted. Uh, and like, uh, I mean, you have the the whole Forsaken thing going on as well. Because, yeah, that's like, still up in the air. We know that. Uh, 
they've established that um, Calimanithil is not in charge of the Forsaken in Shadowlands. She's there, but she's not the one giving orders or telling them what to do. Uh, it's still very much Lillian Voss very unwillingly running the, the show because there's nobody else who's doing it. Um, so yeah, that's another one. And we definitely don't know. Right now, we, all we know is that Gaslo has been given the green light to do it. And so he's basically kind of running the Steam Weedle and the Bilgewater. And that's basically it. Like We, yeah. we don't know the answer to this question. I, I picked it because I thought it's worth thinking about and talking about not just for the, tro- the the goblin stuff, but for everybody. Like we 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 know that right now the trolls are basically led by Rakan. Yeah, but Rakan. how? Yeah. What what is he doing? How is he doing it? Is he you know where is he leading from exactly? Is it is it from like the uh, islands the same way it was when when Vol'jin was in charge, or is he doing it from closer? Or is he doing it from from like Orgrimmar? These are not things we really know. They haven't really been focuses. Yeah, and even in and even in Shadows Rising, like they didn't really address any of that either, because I, I don't think she could. But the only time we see them is when they're in Orgrimmar. But what does that mean? Does that have any bearing on where they are after that? Because or do they just all live in Orgrimmar one hundred percent of the time now? Is that strain now on that city that heavy? Because you know we talked about this last week. You know, it's not exactly a you know a lush greenland of of farms and and food and and stuff for them to use so like are they all going to be stuck there i mean i guess i know for a second they need to eat or breathe or whatever that's fine but you they know, still need to be somewhere I they mean... still need to be somewhere so I, I don't know it's a really good question it's one that i'm hoping we get addressed in a meaningful way like it's I, it's very easy to just say yeah and then they just steal you know Gaslo or uh, Gallowix's ship, right? Uh, or yeah, the Forsaken just settle down in Anderall or whatever. I'd like it to have some meaning, some weight to it. Like maybe this is a good excuse to experience this as players. And we we talked about this earlier today, where we could actually have sort of like oh I don't know, sort of purchase in that like having some form of agency in what happens like if you're a goblin player you're probably pretty invested in what happens to your people now right like i know plenty of people that play goblins that are like i don't know what's going on okay i guess i just i guess i'm here now it'd be cool to give them something to play through something to make them feel invested and i'm gonna actually say something if let's assume for a moment this is just one example out of like stuff that's happened in game let's assume for a moment you're a gnome player you're a super hardcore gnome player. You love playing gnomes. You weren't particularly interested in having a mecha gnome. You you had your gnomes. Those are the characters you wanted to play. You didn't want to switch them or do anything to them. So you didn't do the mechagon stuff right away. And that meant you had no idea what had happened to your leader. Think about that. The whole story with your faction leader... You had no idea about it because you did not immediately rush off to do the mechanomes because they weren't. They, you already had the gnomes you liked, and you didn't particularly care about the mechanomes. Mm-hmm. That meant you missed out a big chunk of stuff, and that's not like the mechanome stuff. Wh- however, you feel about mechagon, I did not like mechagon, but however you felt about it as a zone, that's not important. What's important here is that it had a pretty ding cool story ending, and if you didn't 
know about it. You didn't pursue it. This is one of the problems with a lot of stuff. You you only know going in there's going to be something. You don't necessarily know what the something's going to be. And so you're making your decisions based on, well, I don't particularly want to level that character right now because I've already got the characters I'm focusing on and I know I'm not going to change them anytime soon. So, yeah, I guess I'll worry about that later. Whereas if people knew, oh, there's a big story moment here, you really want to see it, they'd be more inclined to go. I honestly feel like there should be stuff where you get to see the story either way. Like, And that's something that I think going into stuff like where do the goblins end up? I feel like that's something any Horde player should get to find out about. It's still kind of important if you're Horde to know that your faction is not, you know, just kind of willy-nilly throwing people in positions. And then, you know, we don't, like, everyone's living in Orgrimmar now. It's getting crowded in here. What is it, a clown car? <laughs> can, can we, like, not have everyone in Orgrimmar all the time? I mean, we've got other cities. Can't the Forsaken move up to Thunder Bluff? Torn like, no. No, they can't. We already have some Forsaken in, in the Spirit Caves. We're full up. No. All right, fine. Um, I guess they can go out to the and trolls. Like, no, we—I don't even know if we live there, and you want to move them there. <laughs> I have no idea where we live right now. Uh, Hiles, like, I get was like, I guess they can live here. I guess. Like, there's just—it should be something where it's there should be a quest story for everybody. You should get to experience it just because you're in the faction. I would like for that to happen. Yeah. No, I agree. All right, our next question, another question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. I know, I know, I spit out questions in groups instead of spreading them out. I am the old faithful of Blizzard Watch supporters. Uh, anyway, why has Blizzard not lifted the restriction on inviting alts to your own guild? I have a personal guild that I made back when bag space and mats was a huge problem. I'm also in a guild that is, sadly, dead. After downing every raid from vanilla through battle for uh, Dazar lore. I have new alts that I cannot put in either guild because I cannot invite them, and it is difficult to find someone on when I am on. I That's a really good question. I don't know if that's something that they'll ever change. I know back in the day, one of the reasons they didn't want you to have to, uh, you know, or give players the ability to invite offline players was trying to abuse the system. Uh, I, some of you may not remember, and I, Matt probably does, but... Way, way, way back in ye olden days when, you know, WoW was brand new and was still crawling and hadn't learned to walk and run yet. When you, uh, whatchamacallit, when you tried to start a guild, you literally had to have people sign a petition. And trade I think check, you still do. I, I Do you? I, think it's I haven't done it in forever. I thought you literally just registered them now. No, I think you buy a guild charter, but then you still have to have people sign it. I don't think you can just start a guild like i think you do still need to have pizza chart i think it's less signatures now it used to be 10 yeah i, think I don't know how many it might, it is now. i don't know if people in chat let us know while we're talking about this I'll, i'm gonna keep my eye on it but like that was it people were starting guilds all the time spamming chat and one of the things that people used to do again because bag space was limited uh materials were a thing gold farmers used to do that as well and gold farmers would actually pay players a gold or whatever it was back then uh, to, you know, sign the charter. And then once the guild was made, you could leave uh, because or they would kick you out or whatever the case was, because then the guild was established and they didn't need you anymore. Uh, that was a huge problem. And it was causing a lot of of player griefing as a result of it. So I don't know why they keep it around with the signatures. Like, uh, thank you. Uh, five signatures now is what you need. Yeah. Ten. Yeah. 
You still yourself, need like yourself plus nine others. Yep. Yeah. So uh, basically, I mean, I think one of the reasons is simple imitation of it's hard for you to invite your your alts when they're not on because they can't. You're on you. You're on the character that's inviting. You you have to. The the charter still needs to be there. Like you can't. If you log out, the charter is in your bags. Essentially, their character has the charter. It has to be signed. So it means you have to log the character that's got the charter on. I think it's just a limitation of stuff like that. Maybe. Uh, but... I don't know because I don't know how it works if it's you have you have a different account. Like if so... you have more than one account, I, I think your alt can sign it because you can log that character yes. on and they can sign it. I think it just comes down to so... that. I, I think it is just Here's... that simple. Here's a solution that I, I'll, I'll present to this problem because this is something that I've considered uh, a little bit. Mostly because if you're in a guild and you can't invite your alts or maybe you can't invite friends that are making alts because you don't have the proper permissions. Blizzard has already uh, done a a bang-up job of basically revamping the, the guild UI. And by bang-up, I mean it's awful. I don't like it. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted by chat here. Uh, Autoluk and Padilla are saying that you can invite yourself already using this, uh, to an established guild using the guild recruiting UI. I would like an explanation of that because the, the solution I was going to present is when you create an alt, if you have a character in a guild already in a single guild on that same server, it should literally just give you the option when you create that character to say, do you want to have this character in the same guild and have it be something that the guild can toggle on and off. Because, like, I make a ton of alts, and I don't do it at re really, really, really odd hours. Like, before o'clock in the morning, I can't sleep. I'll make an alt. It's fine. Make something where it just auto-invites it to, or looks at your account to see where you are on that server. I know they can do it. That information is available through many APIs. I don't know. I'd love to, I'd love to see them find a way to do it and make it a little bit easier. So... Okay, so if you list your guild into the guild finder, you can do it that way. But what if you don't have... Here's the problem with that, right? You still have to be an officer with invite privileges to do that, don't you? You still have to have, like, some form of leadership. So if it's your own guild, you can do it. But if you're in a, a, a bigger guild, maybe it doesn't really help unless you're the guild master, right? I don't know. While I'm waiting for that to come up, Matt, other thoughts? No, this is good. I'm I'm enjoying you learning this stuff in real time, and me going, "Oh, I didn't know that either." It's, it's actually <laughs> kind of fun. We've been at this for so long. It's like you know, I haven't actually. I've got like alts that have their own guilds, but it, I formed those guilds back in like, like Wrath. So it's like I have no idea how it works now. And you're talking about the the current guild UI system. You might as well be talking to me about like you know modern newfangled communication devices and the last time i was doing anything i was engraving sanskrit tablets like you know I, i'm like um <laughs> well my, my my cuneiform used to work i don't know about now okay so, so there you go i was gonna say so yeah you do have to be in order to do that to listen your guilds and being able to do that to invite alts you have to be on a character that is invite privileges so it doesn't always help if you don't have invite privileges helps if you're the only one making your own guild sure but I still think they they can make a solution that cuts out the middleman for alts as long as you have a character in the guild that maybe the guild has an option to turn it on where, you know, accounts linked to whatever account can join the guild at a specified level and that's it. So you can have somebody who doesn't have access to, like, the bank or whatever until somebody modifies it. 
they could streamline it if they want to. And I think if if anybody from Blizzard is listening, maybe take a couple of minutes and see if that's something you could do. It would probably make a lot of players' lives and a lot of guild administration a lot simpler and a lot easier. And while you're at it, clean up that UI, please. So, all right. Anything else to add, or should we move on to the next one? <laughs> uh, I think yeah, we think we have time for one more. So sure, let's move on to the next one. Yeah, it'll be our it'll be our way of compensating for the shorter pre-show. Uh, hello, watchers. I'm slightly confused on an issue. I'm hoping you can clear up. Did Sira actually actively choose to come back to life? I know there's been some debate on this before, and I haven't done any of the war campaign stuff on my Horde character, so I just assumed Sierra and Delarin said something about wanting to come back for reasons. However, near the end of Shadows Rising, when Tyrande accuses Sierra of choosing a path, Sierra says, I choose nothing, or chose nothing. I did not choose to return. I would never choose to return. I've seen a handful of people saying they both chose to, to come back. But reading the quest text online, I didn't see anything that would actually confirm that. Doing the quest is different, though, and I think you've both done them, so I wanted to ask, is there something there that contradicts Sierra's claim that she didn't want to be risen? Did Delarin say anything? You guys know way more than me. I'm just really curious about the storyline. Uh, actually feels like it's from the Horde's perspective. Thanks for all you do. Anonymous. Have you done that? Un uh, done like the scenario and stuff on the Horde? No, I haven't done it on Horde. I did it Alliance. Okay, so when you're when you're going through, there's actually one of the one of the quests that you do during the lead up to this is you're actually going around with a Valkyr raising night elf spirits. And it's in this act, it's not quest text, it's interaction when it fails that you get the sort of snippet. So when you go to raise a night elf and it fails, it comes back as an angry wisp and attacks you. And one of the things, and I cannot remember which of the, the Valkyr is there, but she says that it basically, the failure is, it chose not to accept. And I'm paraphrasing. It's it's more flowery and, and more well-written than that. But that's that moment. That's that moment where I, I think way back on Lore Watch, I was talking about it when we first got into this stuff. It was an interesting moment where coming back by a Valkyr is a choice. It's not automatic. It's not forced. It's something that they're choosing, but it's uh, only I, in I'm that actually, moment. I'm actually having cramps listening to you, so when you get done, let me know. <laughs> I will say that that's the only moment that I know of that they've said anything explicitly about that, but otherwise, nothing else until we've gotten to the book. So, go ahead, Matt. Going back to Cataclysm for a moment. Uh, I remember I mentioned that the Worgen storyline suddenly goes from being the Worgen storyline to being the Forsaken storyline. And if you want to know what happened, you have to suddenly play a Forsaken. Mm -hmm. One of the things that happens is as you're playing, if you're Horde, you don't have to play a Forsaken, you have to play Horde. I went and did this on my Tauren, my, my at the time max level Tauren. And you're sent to Fenris Isle, where the Alliance and the, the specifically uh, Worgen from Gilneas are making common cause with the, the human refugees that ran out to Fenris Isle. And they're like, we have us, we have a way you can avoid being turned into Forsaken. You can drink our blood and become Worgen, and then you're immune to the, 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 the undeath. They can't raise you. They can't make you one of them. As Before they get a chance to do it, you're, you go out there, you murder people on Fenris Isle, and a Valkyr comes and raises them, and they're immediately on your side. All of them. 
Mm-hmm. Because here's the secret. The Valkyr lie all the time. They are liars. We know this because the Valkyr are the ones who helped Sylvanas get in touch with the Jailer. Or the very Valkyr least, Helia. The Valkyr, yes, well, Helia, which is the way to the Jailer. The Valkyr have their own agenda. And it's not something they're going to reveal to rank and file horde. So when the Valkyr says she refu- she chose not to accept, what it could be saying is, dang it, my mind control failed. Also and there's possible. nothing there's nothing in game that would tell you that. You just if you take the with the Valkyr say at face value, then yes, Sira must have chosen to return. Since we now have a published novel where Sira is saying she didn't choose to return, we now have to consider how that's possible. In terms of what's in game though, you cannot just take what the Valkyr say and go, oh, okay then. Absolutely can't. Because on Fenris Isle, you were you literally just got done having a giant cow man step on this dude until he was dead. And then a Valkyr comes along and raises him and he's immediately okay with it. So you're gonna tell me the Valkyr was like, Hey, remember that guy who just caved in your skull with his giant hooves? Would you like to work with him to kill your own people? And everyone said okay. Literally everybody there was like, yeah, all right, not one of them. Not one of them goes red and attacks you. (laughs) They're all okay with this concept. That seems kind of hard for me to swallow. That's like, that's a lot for me to buy. And like I said, that the the point that the, the only point that we ever hear it's a choice is that one throwaway line. That's it. Yeah. And I honestly feel like that could be very much the Valkyrie turning, looking at the already possibly sort of wavering Horde character who's been like, I'm not sure about this. Most of the expansion going, oh, she chose not to accept. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I just that's all I'm saying. I, I I have a hard time. But but in general, it was new to me that Sarah didn't choose to return because I was under the exact same impression Joe is talking about. Um, as far as I knew up until that, that part of the book, that if, if the Valkyr try to raise you and you don't want to, you can say no, like you can not come back or you can attach. Um, so it was news to me when Sarah says I didn't choose and it's possible Sarah didn't choose understanding what was being asked of her. Yeah. And I think that that could also be the thing too. Like going back off your, your idea that the Valkyr lie, we don't know what happens in those exchanges, right? Because the Valkyrie are reaching out to those souls. We know that the souls can interact with, you know, Valkyrie in the Shadow Realm because, hey, we die sometimes and we talk to spirit healers and they, they seem to know common in some capacity. Uh, we don't know what's said. We don't know what offers being made. We don't know what's being told. And it's one of those things where even if it's a lie of omission, it's still a lie that could be being told to get them to say yes. And and I'll say it because I'm the one editing this and I think we get one per, you know, the ones that, you know, say no and turn the wisp could just see through the bullshit, right? Like, and that's what happens. They see through the lie. They see through the, the omission. They're like, no, you're, you're selling me a bill of goods. Uh-uh, no want. I could totally say that. Yeah. And as uh, Audie Luke points out in chat, uh, Lillian Voss says hi. Uh, so yeah, there, there could be a whole amount of lying in there as well. Uh, but we don't know what they tell them before they raise them. 
Yeah, and for that matter, yeah, not only do we not know what they tell them, they could just not tell them about, like, you know, Sarah might have not understood that when she came back she was going to be a hollow thing, forever needing to inflict agony in order to feel anything at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have chosen to come back thinking you were going to come back. Yeah, Lillian Voss was a rage monster for so long. Like, she just started really getting a personality that wasn't murder everything. It's a lot of murder, but it's a little bit more balanced now. And Mr. Pandaria was the first time she showed any real sense of, like, self. And even then, she wasn't on your side, you know? She was, like, very much on her own side. She didn't rejoin the Horde until this expansion. Yep, and even then, reluctantly. There's... There's... There's a lot of nuance to it that we don't know everything about it yet. But I will say that it's quite possible that Sarah is telling the absolute truth here. Or it's quite possible that Sarah is astonishingly bitter and just wants to hurt Tiranda in any way she can. Yeah, and, which know, is also maybe, possible. And, and maybe at the same time, you know, she w- you can be angry and bitter and still somewhere in you want to kind of reconcile, you know, what happened to you. Like, imagine if you are Sarah. Sarah literally spent her entire life in service to her people. She was a warden. She was the warden that held the wardens together when Maiev was off having her, her conniption fed. You know, Sarah was the one who, who took care of it. And for what? You know, her, her doubts are extreme. Her Her loss was severe. And then finally, she even lost her own life. There's a lot going on there. You can't take anything any of these people are saying at face value. Oh, yeah. Sarah could be lying. Sarah could be straight up lying. Or she could just be denying it. Like, you know, because she can't face it. Imagine, you, or, know, I, you know, she chose to do this to herself, but now she knows what it is when she didn't before. There's a ton of different options here. A ton of different variables. There's also the metaphorical, like, the choosing to come back. Because that's the moment where she realizes where she's going, which is back into the care of Tyrande. And it could be literally a statement of, I would never choose to come back. And it could be specifically pointed at Tyrande, where Tyrande is the point she's coming back to. I don't know. I don't think that that, that necessarily is, is it. But it's also a possibility because in that moment, there's so much like venom and, and hatred dripping from her. You know, and again, like Matt pointed out, all this agony and pain and frustration that she's already had to go through after being abandoned, after feeling like, you know, this atrocity has been done in the name of, you know, X, Y, Z, that her gods abandoned her, people have abandoned her. She doesn't even have a home to return to anymore because, well, tree's gone now. Uh, Tyrande isn't even Tyrande anymore. She's the night warrior who is a completely different personality. So, like... She could also just be saying, like, I would never choose to come back because there's nothing to come back to and looking directly at Toronto and her people. So who knows? Who knows? But I think that's all I have for that one. Do you have anything else you want to add before we close up? No, I think we're pretty good. All right. Well, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on podcast or the queue, and an ad-free site experience. And I'd also like to remind you that while Matt Rossi says that he doesn't have any hope, he did farm his shoulders for 10 years. And I had to buy them because they never dropped. <laughs> anyway if you've got an email or question for the show you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch or 
you can go to our Discord, the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel, or the you know Questions for the Q channel, both of which we check out here to make sure we got stuff. Um, we're gonna we have a few questions left over because even with going long, there's just there was a lot this week, so we're gonna roll those over next week. Hopefully, we'll get them then. Uh, but feel free to keep asking us more questions because that's the only way we really have a show to do. Uh, thank you for being here, Joe. Uh, thank you guys for putting up with my technical issues earlier. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you guys, and we will be here next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.